It's time for Football Asia with Paul Williams. Yes, let's round out the show with Football Asia in the company of Paul Williams from the Asian Game Podcast. Evening, Paolo. Evening, Simon. Alex, how are you going, guys? Very Very good. good. Very good. Let's uh, start with the news out of Iran where Team Melly have gone back to the past, gone back to the future, if you want, uh, to appoint Amir Galanoi as their new coach in succession to Carlos Queiroz. Now, he is their most successful domestic coach in history. Is he the man to lead them to that long overdue Asian Cup success? Mm, I'm not convinced <laughs> that he is. I don't think their fans are convinced that he is either. Um, he would you know, be pretty clear that he was the, the second, perhaps even third choice candidate. Um, Felix Sanchez was all but over the line for that, um, for that job. Of course, he left Qatar not that long ago and it was assumed, in fact, it was even reported in Iran that he had the job and was going to be announced as as Iran's new coach and yet not less than 24 hours later it emerged that um, he was going to take over the job of Ecuador. Um, my understanding is that um, the deal was basically done. All they let was left to agree on was basically the length of the contract. Sanchez understandably wanted uh, you know long-term security. He wanted the full World Cup cycle. I think Iran were only uh, offering a, a contract through until the end of the Asian Cup and they couldn't come to an agreement on that and they went their separate ways. So Amir comes in. I think for a lot of fans, what they see is that when Carlos Quiroz came in, he took Iran into a new era of football, um, a new era of respectability. They they were playing a different style of football, a more modern style of football as well. And they see going back to Amir as sort of a hark back to the, the bad old days of Iranian football as they see it. So uh, we've got a couple of coaches now in, in Klinsman and in Amir now who aren't particularly popular with their, their fan base. So if they don't get off to the perfect start, um, expect the pressure to be applied. Paul, a week ago we sat here uh, while the young Socceroos had a, a big win and marched on to the second round. Now, since then, um, you know, the boys have unfortunately been knocked out with a disappointing loss on penalties um, to the host Uzbekistan. Um, so I guess a couple of questions from that. I mean, what did we learn from the young Socceroos' performances? Um, you know, is that result acceptable? You know, the fact that we can't make the final four at this level, um, you know, both Japan and Korea, along with us, were expected to make it. They both did. We didn't. Um, and then some some young players which stood out for you as well. Mm. Uh, we have this debate every time the uh, an Australian youth team, in inverted brackets, fails at, at a youth tournament as to whether it's acceptable that we don't make it to the final four. I think long gone are the days that we can just rock up and expect to make the final four. We're not in that position within Asia anymore. You know, we know that we've come back to the pack. We know Asia's improved rapidly. So, you know, there's, you know, six, seven, eight nations that go into this tournament expecting to make the final four. And, you know, clearly six, seven or eight into four doesn't go. So someone has to miss out. I mean, I think the game against Uzbekistan was, you know, very evenly uh, matched. We perhaps could have had a a penalty um, in, in extra time that could have changed things as well but you know i think uzbekistan have been you know one of the 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 better teams in in this tournament as well and and playing at home that certainly helped their occasion but you know we didn't make the world cup and okay it would have been great to see us there but i still think we walk out of this tournament with our heads held high i think we it was shown that there is still a lot of excitement um, and a lot of good players coming through 
uh, the, the youth ranks, I think a player like Josh Wallens um, did his reputation. Certainly no harm. I'm a big fan of Bernardo as well. Adrian Segacic is an, um, another one who had a good tournament. So, you know, we didn't achieve the ultimate goal of, of making the, the under 20 world cup, but that doesn't automatically mean the tournament is a failure. I still think we can look at it and, and say we had a pretty good tournament, but we just came up against, you know, a, a side that was on the day too good. And as I said, there's, there's any number of teams that can now make the final four. So it just shows how difficult it is to make World Cups through Asia. And I guess that's what we joined for. We joined for mm. the challenge and the greater competition. And now we've got it. And Uzbekistan are one of those nations who are starting to qualify uh, for the latter stages mm. of Asian competitions pretty regularly. Uh, talking of Uzbekistan, here's an interesting one. Uh, your colleague on the Asian Game podcast, Martin Lowe, uh, reporting that the Central Asian Cup in June will feature Uzbekistan, Iran, Tajikistan, Kyrgyzstan, Afghanistan and Russia as an invited guest along with Thailand. Now, that's an interesting development, isn't it? Because Russia is at the moment in a sporting sense and pretty much everything else a, a, a pariah. So they are yeah. given, you know, what happened around the turn of the year where they were considering applying for AFC membership. Is this a something we should read more into? It's hard not to read more into it. I mean, it's easy to look at this and think that this is a kind of soft entry for Russia into the AFC. And it certainly in, in one way brings them into the Asian tent now playing in an, a central Asian tournament. And, I don't think this tournament probably gets off the ground without Russia's involvement. There've long been talks of getting the, the Central Asian Championships off the ground, but it's never really been economically viable. Yet you bring Russia into the equation, they bring the money with them, and all of a sudden it becomes economically viable. So it's a really interesting, um, uh, really interesting state of play. What happens with this tournament? As you said, Thailand have been invited, and I think that's really interesting too because Thailand were invited to the West Asian Championships um, as an invitee. Now they're invited to the Central Asian Championships. So they're a team that's really trying to spread their wings as well and give their players, you know, different match experience against different opposition as well. Um, uh, these these regional tournaments can be a lot of fun in Asia. We've spoken about, you know, the um, the ASEAN tournament in the past. I think this you know, Central Asian tournament, it's a such an unknown region still of Asia. Um, it's got enormous potential for those nations as well that don't get a lot of international experience, a lot of them. So um, if we're talking in invited guests, I think it'd be fascinating to see Kazakhstan invited in there as well, <laughs> yeah. um, given they're essentially a Central Asian nation too. I uh, wish they'd invite Australia. I could do a trip back to the stands. Uh, they were fun, <laughs> those trips back in the day. Um, to the J-League. In domestic football, mixed fortunes for the Aussies. Uh, Kevin Muscat's Yokohama F. Marinos beaten in Sapporo. Uh, Mitch Langerak's going well with Nagoya. They're joint top after Vissel Kobe lost at home to Ottawa. Uh, and Tommy Deng's doing well as well with Albirex Nagata there in third. Yeah, that move's really working out well for him. He joined, obviously, last season when they were in... J2 had his injury troubles through the first half of the season, but got his way into the squad when he got full fitness in the back half of the season to help them get that promotion. And he's sort of cemented his spot 
um, in uh, the heart of that defense there. And, and, and they've been a surprise packet over the opening three or four rounds of the season. No one expected them to do this good, but, you know, they're on fire at the moment. They play Urawa this weekend, which will be a really interesting match because Urawa have now won two on the bounce as well. So great for them. A little bit disappointing for, for Kev, as you mentioned, to, to lose to Sapporo. That's a game they would have expected to win. So shows that there is still work to do for, for Muskie, despite the strength of their squad. And Mitch Langerak, speaking of strength, he just goes from strength to strength with Nagoya. They've got the most clean sheets, as you'd expect, with Mitch. It's what he does for a living now over in Japan. And, um, and they've really come out of the blocks flying as well. The boys in uh, in J2 are going well too. Mitch Duke's team uh, are top of the league at the moment. Uh, Stefan Mork was on the score sheet for Fajano Okayama in a big 3-0 win, uh, along with an old uh, Sydney FC favourite and, and a good teammate of mine, Geordie Boyce. Mm. Yeah, he's really found a home over there in Japan. Of course, he moved to Japan after Sydney and he's almost in a way reinvented himself because I was looking at the the stats today. In, in two seasons at Sydney, uh, he only scored one goal yet in the, the four and a bit seasons um, that he's been in Japan. He scored 23. Um, remarkably enough. He saw, scored seven last season as well, and he scored again on the weekend as well. So he's really become a goal-scoring defender. Um, so it's great to see him doing really well over there as well. And I think J2 is a league that kind of really flies under the radar a little bit here because it's a very, very tough league. I've spoken to Stefan Mork about it, who's played there, um, Pete Klamowski as well. It's 42 games plus cup games. So you're playing upwards of 50 games a season. Um, and it's a real grind and it's a really tough league. And and we see when teams go up to J2, like we're seeing with Alborex Nagata, they can match it with the big boys as well. So there's a lot of teams down there that, you know, would be more than competitive at J1 level. So it's a really difficult league. So it's always good to see Aussies shining in that league. I'm sorry. I've got to pick Broski up on the pronunciation there. Geordie Boyce. Isn't it? He's, he's from the Netherlands, not Nabiak. What is it? Baus? Geordie <laughs> Baus. Bells, all right. <laughs> Only ever called him Geordie. <laughs> Geordie boys. Love it. Um, to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> uh, Cristiano Ronaldo tasting defeat in the derby between Al Itihad and Al Nasser. Uh, he wasn't very pleased about that at the end of the game either. Mm. Uh, no, he certainly was not. He was captured kicking a water bottle over in frustration after the uh, after the game. It's his first loss, I think it is, since he uh, moved to uh, to Al Nasser a couple of months ago now. So um, it, it puts Al Idihad in the box seat now. They take the lead in the uh, the Saudi Pro League with uh, about I think there's ten games left in the season to go, and they're going to be very hard to beat from here because. You know, the old adage is defences are won on championships and Al Itihad have by far the best defence in the league. Through 20 games this season, they've conceded only six goals and they never looked like conceding against Al Nasser the other night. I woke up at 4am in the morning to watch it and um, it may not have been the, the greatest game, but uh, Al Itihad certainly um, probably edged it and yeah, they're, they're odds on to, to go on and win the, the title now. And, can't imagine that's going to please Ronaldo. <laughs> I'm sure it won't. Hey, Paolo, uh, time has beaten us, unfortunately. We were going to look uh, ahead to the Indian Super League final, which is going to be contested by Bengaluru and Mohun Bagan. Uh, there's significant Australian stroke A-League presence in the final. Roy Krishnan, Alexander Jovanovic for Bengaluru and Dimi Petratos and Brendan Hamill for Mohun Bagan. But mm. uh, maybe we'll talk to you about that uh, next week when we've got a little bit more time. Thanks, mate. Cheers, guys. Appreciate you, it. Paul. That's Paul Williams with Football Asia. Willow, of course, courtesy of the Asian Game Podcast.